Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. It's found on page 807 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along with me. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children, dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Revelation chapter 21, beginning with the first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among the mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly and the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in December of 1968, the NASA program endeavored to go on maybe its most daring expedition yet. It was the first time that NASA tried to send human beings outside of the orbit of planet Earth, sending them up to orbit around the moon and then come back safely to the Earth. There were three astronauts, Jim Lovell and uh, William Anders and Frank Borman, who were on this flight. And as you might imagine, those astronauts were excited about the opportunity to to leave truly the Earth's atmosphere, the first humans to be able to do that and to, to take that next step that would get us closer to walking on the moon. But one of the things they were most excited about was the idea that they would be on the dark side of the moon for several hours during their trip. That on the dark side of the moon, they would, all the light from the sun would be, would be blocked out so that they could see out into deep space, to see the lights of the stars, to see amazing things that had never been able to be seen by human eyes before. It was a unique opportunity that they were excited about, and truly all of NASA and the whole planet Earth was excited about, the opportunity to see something incredible, miraculous, that had never been seen before just by orbiting around the dark side of the moon. Well, as the story goes, they did see something miraculous, but it was not what they expected. As they were orbiting around the moon and the new light was coming up on the surface of the moon for the new morning, they saw for the first time the earth rise up from the moon's surface. For the first time, these men looked and saw the earth rising up, this singular blue planet, this blue and white planet out there in the vast darkness of space. They saw it for the first time, and it took their breath away. 
For the first time, they saw this place that was filled with life, that was filled with hope, that was filled with all the gifts and miracles of God, this fragile oasis, they called it. A place where all of us were singularly held together in one home created by God. Astronauts from throughout ages have, have experienced the same thing over and over again. An astronaut just recently, named Frank Gorman, had gone up to the space station, the International Space Station. He was doing a spacewalk, and as he was walking from, from one side of the space station to the other, he looked and saw the beautiful earth below him. He saw no boundaries between countries, and all he could think about was what a, a beautiful, fragile oasis this was where every single human on the planet lived and moved and had their being. There were no divisions and boundaries that we see every day, but he saw one planet Earth, beautiful, miraculous, amazing, a gift from God. This experience, this spiritual experience, this philosophical experience that all of these astronauts have had is called the overview effect. They've given it a name and written articles about it, in fact. This incredible opportunity to see our planet from a whole new perspective, not just walking on the surface of the earth, but from a, a, a perspective from many, many, many miles away, a perspective that maybe has only see, been seen by a handful of people and Maybe the eyes of God. This perspective where we see this planet for what it is. Not an, an, un, an uncharted an, an place that is always being explored and can never be uh, limited or overcome, but a place that is limited. That is limited in the vastness of space. An appreciation for this world that most of us go around every day without having because we can never get 10,000 miles into space. There have been attempts by universities, of course, to try to find a way to give that overview effect to people like you and me. They've used things like virtual reality and sensory deprivation chambers to try to give us the experience of just seeing this beautiful singular planet for what it is, just like those astronauts have. But truly, it's a remarkable idea to change our perspective and see this planet not just for the two feet in front of us that we see every single day, but to see it as a whole. To see it as one life-giving source that was given to us and created by God. Even though we all can't fly up to the space station, our theology tries to teach us to try to have that kind of perspective about this planet that we call home. Our theology, the theology of, of Christ, the theology of people who believe in God is one to remember that this planet is, is a place that we call home and that is not unrenewable, that it is, it's a planet that has resources that are limited, a planet that we live on and, and we take for granted nearly every single day. We see it all throughout the Bible, in fact, when you look at the story of creation, the story of the Garden of Eden, the story that was given to us by God, a place that God created, a place that God used to sustain life. We see it in the Psalms as well, when it, the Psalms say the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We look at all throughout Scripture and we see the planet through the eyes of God, this precious place, this miraculous place, this place filled with beauty, this place that's filled with miracles. And maybe we see it too in this passage from the book of Revelation written by John of Patmos. John seemed to have this unique ability to view the world not through the eyes of normal human beings, but view the world through the eyes of God the way God intended it. 
He was stranded on an island in the middle of, of the Aegean Sea, a Greek island, which might sound like a wonderful thing for us as being able to, to vacation out there in the middle of the Mediterranean, but truly it was punishment for him because he had decided he would not pledge allegiance to the, the uh, Roman Caesar. He would only pledge allegiance to God, and so they stranded him on this island, imprisoned him there where he could no longer preach, he could no longer teach, he could no longer spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it was there looking out at this world where he saw this vision, this vision from the very eyes of God of a new heaven and a new earth. The earth was a valuable place, a place that God had created, a place that was a part of God's plan all along, and a place that was a part of God's redeeming. It was not just a life raft to get us to heaven, but it was a place that God had created to sustain life, to give us life. And there are countless miracles that God gives us every single day just because we are on this wonderful, beautiful place we call earth. It's no wonder that when we talk to our confirmation students or even when we talk to our, our elders and deacons when they go through uh, their exam, they often say, one of the places that I see God the most is out there in nature. Out in the world, away from loud motors and beeping cell phones. Out there in the world, away from all the things that were created by the hands of human beings. The things that were only created by the hands of God. When we look out at this world that God has created, this miracle, this place that we call home, we can see God's fingerprints and handprints all over this beautiful world. We have nothing to do but look at the vastness of the ocean, to look at the beauty of the mountains, to look at the sunrise and the sunset and realize those are things we could not do. Those things we might dream about, God dreamed about them and God made them. Those are things, gifts, miracles that belong to God. And people all throughout history have tried to find a way to put into words the beauty of the revelation of God because that's what earth is. It is a way that God reveals God's self to us. One of my favorite poets, an author named E. e. Cummings, wrote this beautiful poem, and he said it like this, I thank you, God, for this most amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirit of the trees and the blue true dream of sky and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, and which is yes. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. It's the birth of life and of love and of wings and the gay great happening illimitably earth. How should a tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing human being, doubt unimaginable you? What he was trying to say is how can we look at this world, all the miracles of this world, the miracle of life and love and everything else that we see every day, how can we look at this world and not see evidence of the Creator God? The God who loves us and sustains us in countless ways. How can we not look at this world and see this world through the eyes of God and appreciate it? But maybe a better way that we can see that revelation, a better way that that revelation was described was not through E.E. E. Cummings, but through the voice of a seven-year-old named Micah that I met when I was in Montreat. He was in the clubs program up there. They were playing games at Welch Field, which is a little baseball field there in Montreat. 
And while they were sitting there playing games together, a great big breeze came through, rustling all the trees. All the leaves were crackling around them as we sometimes see here in our trees on our campus. That great wonderful sound that you hear as the branches were blowing back and forth. And with urgency, he said, everybody be quiet, stop, listen. And we all stopped and froze for just a minute. We knew that he was distressed for some reason. He said, listen, listen. It's God whispering to us through the trees. This earth that God has given us, God has given us for a reason because it is through this wonderful, beautiful, miraculous planet that God reveals God's self to us in countless ways. Countless ways every single day. God reveals God's self to us by loving us and providing for us. But sometimes we take it for granted. Sometimes we don't have that overview effect, looking at the world through the eyes of God, but instead we look at the world just through the two feet in front of us. Sometimes we take it for granted and we forget that this world that has been given to us to sustain life actually still belongs to God. This world that was given to us was not given to us to dominate and to conquer. It was given to us to entrust to our care. Like shepherds caring for God's flock. This world that was given to us was not given to us so that we can conquer it and use it like it was something that is disposable. It was given to us to sustain life so that we might find the miracles in this life and in each other. Pretty soon our theology changes. That theology from old that we see all throughout the Bible, that theology changes such that this world is just a life raft. We can use it up until we get to heaven. That's the only thing that matters after all. Our theology changes so that we become the center of our own universe. This world, this earth that is around us is there for our conquering, there for our discovery, and pretty soon we lose all humility and start to think that we are the creator ourselves. Let me give you an example of that. I was uh, lucky enough when I was in seminary to be able to go to eastern Kentucky to experience what life was like there in the rural Appalachian Mountains and coal mining country of eastern Kentucky. It was a wonderful class, an opportunity to meet some of these people who had spent their whole lives going down into deep coal mines, not only to, to get the coal so that we can have the energy and the lights and all those things that we take for granted, but also so that these men could, and, and women could go and provide for their own families and get the paychecks that they need. It was wonderful to hear their stories of the, the things that they had done all throughout their life to provide for their families. But then we had the opportunity to go to a, a strip mine, a strip mine right there in the middle of eastern Kentucky. We rode through the, the, it was a little bit off the beaten path, and so we rode through the woods there seeing beautiful trees. And then all of a sudden we came through the trees and it was a wasteland. This great big earth mover, this great big crane had pulled up the earth so that all the trees were gone, all the grassland was gone, and it looked like, well, the surface of the moon. And our guide there told us he could tell we were a little bit disturbed by how the world, how the landscape had been changing. He said, no, 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 let me show you something. Let me show you what we do once we've, we've harvested all the coal in this area. And he took us over to another area that had been, become a flat plain with grasslands. And he said, there are little birds that come around here all the time and little deer that come around here all the time. This is what we're doing. We're creating landscape." 
all of us seminary students thought, well, actually, you didn't create it at all. It was created long before you were born. It was created and didn't need you to do any more creation. We tend to make ourselves the center of the world as we're walking around looking at two feet in front of us, forgetting that this world belongs to God. This world that was given to us, made by God's own two hands, was given to us and entrusted to our care. Yes, to give us life. Yes, to help us sustain life, but also for our care so that we can sustain life for years to come. And even if you do only see two feet in front of yourselves, even if you do think this world is disposable, the truth of the matter is, is even those people realize that this world is limited. Just think about the conflicts and the wars that we have had throughout the centuries. Go back in time to even biblical times. Many of those conflicts and wars, yes, they were about religion. Yes, they were about boundaries. But they were also about finding the land that was the most fertile so that you could sustain life. They were fighting over fertile land, fertile soil, so that they could take care of themselves and take care of their own people. In our own time, the wars that we face every single day are governed by fossil fuels, influenced by fossil fuels, sometimes fought over fossil fuels. And if we're to believe biologists, the wars that we face in the future will be over access to clean, drinkable water. All of these things that we have taken for granted, all because we forget to look at the world through the eyes of God. But when we do look at the world through the eyes of God, when we look at it as this gift, when we see the miracles around us, then we realize what a gift it is to even be alive, to have the opportunity to care for this place that God has given us. A very wise person once said that if we want to have peace on earth, first we have to have peace with earth. If we want to have peace with each other, we have to stop fighting over the resources of this limited world and have peace with the gifts that God has given us. A very wise statement, I think. Maybe that's what John of Patmos saw when he looked out from his little cell on that island, when he was thinking of a new heaven and a new earth. A earth where we not only had peace with each other, but we had peace with the gifts that God had given us. We were thankful and grateful, not taking for granted this world that God had given us and blessed us with. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we're not called to explore, to learn, to go out into the world and find more opportunity. After all, that's how we find the miracles that God has given us. It doesn't mean we shouldn't keep shooting for the stars and looking for the new discoveries out there in the world and the universe around us. But it does mean that every now and then, when we look at those stars, we should also look back to the ground on which we stand to remember that foundation that so often we take for granted. Instead of asking, what can I conquer next? We could simply stop and say, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this most amazing day, for the gift of life, for the gift of this world, and for the gift of each other. 
John of Patmos looked out across that island and said, I see a new heaven and a new earth. I see the kingdom of God. May we in our lives see that kingdom too and try to make it so. To the glory of God. Amen.